Welcome to Another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea on a very, very exciting episode of Another Mother Runner because it is our 200th episode. And for that very, for that very reason, I am joined by the cheering Dimity McDowell. Hello, Dimity. Hello, SBS. How are you? I am very good. Very good. It is delightful to have you on the show for this for this very special occasion. Who thought? Who thought we would get to 200? I I, can't, I feel like we were just at 100. I mean, what was that? Two years ago now? Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. And I was I was like, wait a minute, we're getting like you know because now we number them. We started numbering them after 100, which was helpful. <laughs> Yeah, helps with that counting thing. Yeah, to count them. Yeah, it sure does. So then I was like, "Whoa, we're like at like 182. That means we're going to reach 200 before too long." So, um, but now that I think about, you know, I was in this very basement for our very first episode, the one that Phoebe up in New Hampshire recorded, where she interviewed us. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I I was at. um, I think that you are always in the exact same place, and I like rotate. I'm up in the mountains. I'm in my basement. I'm sitting in a conference room at my husband's office right now for the first episode. I was at my mom's house and I think I shared this. Didn't I share this last time when I had a beer on the podcast, but I had a little liquid courage before oh, our first episode. You did. And even though it's the middle of the day, you know, it was five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like I had like, you know, four shots of vodka, but I had about a half a glass of wine just because I just, that's, I needed a little something to like, you know, go over the airwaves with, you know, <laughs> not it's it's weird to have a conversation and not have a conversation right uh-huh. <laughs> I have a lot more respect for DJs now <laughs> that's so funny because I forget what show I was watching oh I guess I was watching probably the returns on Super Tuesday or something I'm like oh my gosh they just have to make so much conversation on the fly and fill so many you know like while they're waiting for things and knowing they're going to get cut away at any second and all this stuff and I was like wow Wow, I'm I'm impressed that they can do that. That's funny because I actually, while I was waiting for Alex, our producer, to get here, I was like, "Oh, I'm chilly." Then so I got a cardigan, and I'm like, "I don't know if I'm chilly or if I'm nervous. Am I nervous? Am I chilly?" <laughs> <laughs> so yes. So uh, like we did with our hundredth and our hundred and second um, episode, we have collected some of our favorite clips, and we asked mother runners for their favorite clips. And so we will be getting to those in a few minutes, but let's just have some, some serendipity chit chat, Dim. Like how has your training been going? Your heart rate training and you and your, your long, slow runs. Yeah. My long, long emphasis on long emphasis (laughs) on slow emphasis on runs. Um, really good. I mean, I gotta say, I feel like this is, Oh, it's not Dimity 2.0 at this point because, I mean, I feel like I'm at Dimity like 5.0 with the versions <laughs> even that I've had through another mother runner. But um, I am doing really well. I had a little bit of an episode after I went and paced my friend Katie, who is um, an ultra runner with a capital U and a capital R. She was doing her ninth 100 miler, I believe. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, and so we went to Rocky Raccoon, which is right outside of Houston in early February. And I got to pace her. I, my plan was to pace her for 20 miles. Um, and so I was, it's, it's five 20 mile laps. And my plan was to pace her from mile 60 to 80 because she'd done this race before. And she knew that that was kind of the hardest part. It's dark. Um, and you're not on your last lap. Right. Mm-hmm. So like <laughs> those yeah. are the two, two things that bring you down. And, and were, um, were you her what? only pacer? I was her only pacer. I went with her. Um, Yeah, I was the only, I was her support team. I was her crew. I was her pacer. I was everything. (laughs) Um, 
And, uh, but she's done it by herself. I mean, wow. there, there are people that just go and do it because it is 20 miles. It's just, you know, five laps and you go, you, you pass by this, the start and finish each mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there are people who just set up, you know, their own little aid stations before the race and just stop and get what they need and keep going. Right. Um, so there are people that run it solo. Um, but anyway, uh, so I went with her from 60 to 80 and, you know, and, and the running, she's definitely running. I mean, it is definitely a hard, hard thing, but it's not like you're running nine minute miles, right? Like mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, I cannot do this anymore. I mean, maybe the winners do that, but not the people, you know, Katie finished in, um, just under 24 hours. Wow. So, um, so she, uh, so she was kind of, <laughs> she was like, um, Dimity, I feel like I'm sprinting and you're strolling. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And I, oh, well, actually, this is a really funny story. Actually, I did write this on the blog, but, um, and I was like, well, okay, first of all, let's remember that I'm a fast walker. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, even back in San Francisco, when I was in a boot, I was walking faster than Sarah naturally, like mm-hmm. on the street. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And, it is um, the truth. Yep. Wherever we go, what, whenever you've been <laughs> and in a boot. All of a sudden, this guy turns around and he goes, wait. And there's a, it, there are two guys in front of us. It's a guy, a, a runner and his pacer. And the runner turns around. He's probably 10 feet in front of me. He goes, wait, what's your name? <laughs> I said, I said, Dimity. And he, and I said, uh, Dimity McDowell or whatever. And he goes, are you, are you, you know, one of those like trying to place me? And I was like, yes, another mother runner. He goes, oh my gosh, my wife loves you, loves you. And, you know, and she was going to go run Austin in a couple weeks. Uh-huh. And so, um, because we were in this state park that was not a far, that far outside of Houston, we got great cell reception. So he pulls out his phone no way, and I call no his wife. He calls his wife. He's like, you're never going to believe who I'm next to right now. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, hello, this is Dimity in Denver. <laughs> and she was like, ah! That is Super hilarious. Fun. And I like that he's observant enough to actually put two and two together as he's running and think about his yeah. wife and her preferences. That's very sweet. Yeah. So anyway, so long as well, we won't make this whole thing about the ultra, but I went 20 miles with Katie. Um, and because it was, it was those laps, I was like, okay. And there were places to peel off. Um, I was like, okay, I'll go three more to get you started. And then she found another pacer that was up in a different little loop. Um, and then I said I would meet her at the end. So long story short, because I was mostly walking, I went about 30 miles that day, um, which was definitely my PR as far as distance. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I came home and not surprisingly, my foot had a, had some overuse issues. Not my bad foot from the previous year, but my other foot. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It can't be, you know, it can't be just one thing. Um, right. So that freaked me out quite a bit because mm. I was really, really nervous that I sabotaged my ultra yeah. efforts yeah. to basically run an ultra. Mm-hmm. Um, but a little time off and some physical therapy and some diligent massage and that kind of thing. And I'm back to back to training. So I am, um, I think this week is going to come close to a 40 mile week for me. I've got, um, a three hour and 15 minute run on Saturday, which I'm going to go do on the trails. And um, yeah, so (laughs) I'm doing really well. I mean, this is the bulk of the training and I'm, I'm tired and I'm doing some stuff that's not, um, it's not all heart rate. Like this morning I went and did hill repeats Mm -hmm. up the longest hill I could find, which was 0.42 0.42 miles, in case you were wondering. Despite <laughs> oh, yeah. being um, near the mountains, it is so crazy how flat Denver can be. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, well, there's, yeah, th- yes. But you can find hills if you need them. 
Um, so I did that, but that was, you know, that was not at heart rate and I've been putting in some 800s as well into my training. So it's been fun because now it's not just low and slow. I get to kind of rip it up every once in a while, which is still hard, but it's kind of fun too. Oh, I know. You must feel like a horse let out of the barn or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. How's, how's your Boston training going? It's going, it's going very well, very well. Um, I am not up near a 40 mile week though. <laughs> Last week I finally surpassed 30 miles. And uh-huh. so Bree is definitely, my coach is definitely um, taking it easy on my ankle, um, putting in some intensity and um, instead of not like the furthest I've run is 16 miles. And that was on Saturday, last Saturday. And with, as um, I guess Boston was seven weeks from this past Monday from, from um, Leap Day. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of unusual to have not gone above that. And then this weekend, don't even have a long run, but have an interesting run. I think it's maybe an hour and 10 minutes where we do hill repeats at tempo trying to, and it's only an incline, like, so maybe, I don't know, does one say incline repeats? Um, it's, she just wants us to find like a two or 3% grade and then really charge it. And, uh, I think do it six times maybe, and see if we can get further, even just a few steps further with each one. So that should be pretty interesting. So, um, no, it's going really well. And gosh, Molly is just really doing exceptionally well in this training cycle. And and she almost literally carried me through the that 16-miler on Saturday, which was an exceptionally windy day by Portland standards. And I sort of didn't realize that. Like, it didn't, I didn't kind of register how much of an impact it was making on me. And it was an out and back and, and I had had a cold and then been felled by a very short-lived stomach bug and was feeling pretty queasy that morning. And so going out, I just was feeling like, oh, this is, this is just really a lot. This is very torturous. torturous. And so um, Molly did a lot of the talking, which was awesome. She just was like, okay. She just kind of apprised the situation. was like, I'm going to tell a really long story about my mother-in-law. And I'm like, sweet, just keep talking. Just keep talking. <laughs> and, uh, That's awesome. <laughs> so then when we turned around, and so that was at mile eight, which was the point where we were going to turn around. I had goo and noon, and then to have the window at my back, I was like, oh, wow, this makes a really big difference in how I feel. <laughs> I am reborn. I can go. Sarah 2.0. It did, Honestly, it did feel like wind, that. The wind is just, it is, I forget every March. I mean, it's bad here too. And I ran, I went to Chicago this past weekend to um, have a little girls weekend with some high school friends. And I ran on Sunday morning on the lakefront. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of those like, I could have leaned into it, like done the Titanic pose and not, and still been, you know, standing straight up. I mean, it was so windy. One thing that I've been doing with the wind, um, which I read and I think makes sense is just think about really like strong hips, like pushing your hips, right. And keeping your chest up, not letting it, um, like make you cower down, right. Like being strong into it. I don't know. I mean, uh-huh. it's just more of a mental tip, I think. But if you think about like almost like, like I almost think sometimes like I have two knives on my hips and I'm just like, I'm slicing into it. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I could have taken any advice I could have gotten on a Saturday. It was. Well, yeah. And it's so, and it is so, um, what's the word intangible, right? Because there are times when you're like, why, why is this so hard? Why, mm-hmm. like, why, why is this so hard? And, and it's not like 
the wind is like gusting around you so you can be like, oh, it's the wind. It's it's just it's just, you know, um, strong enough to be a force, but not enough of a force that you can feel it. Right. Yeah, it was just and, you know, and Molly complained about it. And I just thought, well, I don't know what I don't know what she's complaining about. And then, <laughs> and then when we turned around. It was like, oh, it was like a rock band had been playing and suddenly it went silent. I was like, oh, <laughs> I get it now. And so and then and then I definitely felt better as the miles went on. And, and we had to do these um, like from, I guess, mile. Oh, I don't know. We had to throw in these faster bits to it. So it wasn't just covering 16 miles. So but then toward the end, I was feeling good. And, and when we stopped, it seemed like I felt better than Molly. So I, I, I don't know. Wow. It was confusing. So anyway, but no, overall training has gone very well. We had a very good run this morning. And um, I'm feeling, feeling good. And my ankle is just really, really feeling good. So it's just, um, it That's defies. Awesome. Yeah, it oh, is. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It really, um, defies expectations. So it's delightful. So, um, so we'll let us, um, head on into listening to some of these clips, but first we're going to take a quick break to hear from a sponsor. All right. So first up, we're going to hear from episode number 143, because now we got to say the numbers because we know them. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, the guest is Nicole Blades. She is um, was on, she was our first contributor from Tales from Another Mother Runner who joined us. We had a bunch of the essays on the show throughout the course of last year. And she's also now one of our six role mothers. So um, here she is reading from her essay in the book. When we got around to my doctor asking what I was doing for exercise, I started in with my usual non-committal bit. Sometimes head out, fresh air, short runs, nothing major, run a couple races before the baby. These days, fresh air. The doctor jotted down a note in my file and looked up at me. So you're an occasional jogger, she said, nodding. Do you jog on a treadmill usually or do you go jogging outside, weather permitting? What I heard was, so you're a jogging jogger who jogs to jogger jogging. Gnashing my teeth was the only thing I could do to refrain from jumping off the cold examination table, flimsy paper gown and all, to stuff cotton balls in her mouth. Okay, maybe I was a tad overtired too, but the whole jogger thing just rubbed me the wrong way. It sounded lukewarm and lethargic, and I knew that what I was doing out there pounding uneven pavement, confronting plantar fasciitis, pushing through long after my music stopped and my motivation wanted to do so as well, was not even a little bit related to laziness. My visceral at that moment reaction, I am a runner, thank you very much, doc. Granted, it's just language, a noun, but there's a sensibility, a community attached to the term runner that elevates it beyond simply being a word giving it more meaning and rendering it part of an identity. That's it. I just laugh every time I think about that joggity jog, jogs, jog. I know, right? Right. And she's such such a good reader. That's the thing. Like it could, you know, on a lot of 
maybe in my voice or my reading it would fall flat, but she she's so dramatic. Like I feel like she stepped right off of the Oscar stage or something, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. You can just you, I, she just takes you right into that examination room, and and the reason I chose that one was also because I felt like for our podcast, you know, it's a really good message to be reminded of how powerful the word runner can be. So it is, but I have to ask you: Has I've I don't have the same visceral reaction anymore to jog. Do you still? Like, it doesn't rub me as much as it used to. That's so funny you say that because somebody said it the other day and I was like, nope, I'm not going to correct them. They can say the word jog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I hear it every once in a while and I I, I, I don't cringe like I used to. I, I don't, um, I, I'm not, I will never call myself a jogger. I think everybody is a runner, but it doesn't have, like, it feels like it's softened with time or something. Yeah. I do have to say, though, the... I have a serious bone to pick with, believe it or not, Dimity, the New York Times, because they just, oh no, they just always use the word jogging and jogger. It's like, okay, New York Times, the 1970s called and they want their word back. (laughs) Can can we say running and runner? We can send Captain and Tennille back with them. All right. All right. Right. Thank you. (laughs) Right. And Mikey from the Life Serial commercial. I mean, come on. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, I think, um, you know, some of the articles, they let the word running in, but I think it's, I, I don't know whether there's, there's some there's, crotchety there's copy books. editor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> style books need to be updated. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We are moving up eight episodes to number 151 with Miss um, Kristen Armstrong, who uh, I probably have talked about this careful careful listeners will remember that I went to high school with her. Mm. So she was part of our high school reunion in Chicago this weekend a little oh, bit. You know, as you we were... name dropping a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> as we, oh yeah. Well, none of us are friends with her. We all were like, oh, she's beautiful and she's cool and she's smart and she's talented. And yeah, she was way too, too cool for us. But, um, but now I can name drop about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now she's been to our Austin party and, and so, but it's so funny because I know when you said that to her on the podcast, she was like, oh, uh, you know, I totally remember you from high school and everything. And it's like, oh, now that we're not, you know, 16, the barriers have been broken down. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, here she is going to talk about um, read her essay, read part of her essay from Tales from Another Mother Runner. I have to say you have a really beautifully examined life that um, you you seem very contemplative and um, that you really almost um, comprehend what you're thinking and feeling as, as it's happening. Do you, um, you know, I, I, obviously you write a column for runner's world and, and you write a bit, a lot. Do you then keep a journal? I mean, um, how is it that you, you know, I don't know. I just, am like, wow, it seems like you have such wonderful deep thoughts and really, um, uh, hold on to them. Yeah. How do you hold on to them with three teenagers? And we need to know. Cause uh, I hold on to dear life is how I hold on to <laughs> But that's a, that's a very nice compliment because I, I really do want to live an examined life. I am a very intentional person. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be a very mindful, conscious, aware person. And so I have practices and running is one of those practices. Um, but I also take time for meditation every day. So, mm-hmm. and I pray and I'm a big journaler. I, in the past about maybe year and a half, I've started keeping a gratitude journal. And every morning before I do anything else, well, except make a cup of coffee, let's be honest. Um, 
I have that. And then I go and I write at least 10 things that I'm thankful for. And the statement is usually starts, I am grateful for, and then I say something specific. And then the statement has to include because I'm grateful for fill in the blank because, and I have to tell you that it's been over a year and many completely filled out journals since I started the practice, but I have not had what I would say is a bad day in that entire time. Wow. So of course, you know, I'm still having things happen to me that are inconvenient or uncomfortable. I mean, all those things still happen all the time, but the point is that it's not affecting me the same way anymore. And I don't know if that's mostly the gratitude journal. I don't know if it's a combination of meditation or yoga or just getting older or, um, I think is this, so this is too um, personal. You can just say no, but I'm just curious. So, in, so 10 things that feels like a lot to me. I've tried to do this before and like three things and I end up being like a good dinner, you know, and like oh, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe, you know, a laugh with my kid. I mean, can you, do you put coffee on the list? Like things that feel like pretty like basic and normal or is it, is it always kind of deep? Some of them are deep, but some of them are, are seemingly so simple, like these little luxuries that in a way you can take them for granted and just kind of blow through your day. But if you pause and notice them, like, like I went for a run the other morning and I was freezing when I came home and I ran a hot bath and I peeled off all my frozen running clothes and just sunk into the water. And I was like, Oh, I'm so grateful for a hot bath. I love this hot bath. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this hot bath. And in that moment, it was like, yeah, that's no big deal. It's taking a bath. It's an everyday thing. But it was a luxury and it was something that I noticed and I felt extremely grateful. So, Dim, one of the reasons I chose that, other than, you know, it was just amazing to hear Kristen talk about that. Um, I wanted to hear, do you still do your gratitude journal? (laughs) On the spot, on the spot. Um, I did start one after that and I did try to do the exercise that she said I am grateful for because. Um, And I did do that, I would have to say, for probably a good six to eight weeks. Um, and then it fell off, of course, as many of my habits tend to do. But I will say that I have cultivated more of the attitude that she has. And I have picked up some other things along the way, like it fell off. And then I did it again this summer in a different kind of journal that I was working on. Um, and now I have a journal that (laughs) it's hokey, but it, um, it really makes a difference. It's, it's, uh, it's called, um, what I will do to feel the way I want to feel. And so it's, um, it's at the beginning of each day, I write down what I'm going to do to get the feelings that I want to feel, which, you know, for me are gratitude and, um, patience and love and, um, a bunch of different, you know, just, just the basic human emotions that make us feel like we're living a life worth living. Right. Um, so I don't exactly do what she does, but I do feel like I have definitely stepped some good, done some good mileage along the way of trying to live in the moment and trying to be more grateful for the things that I have. That's awesome. And that I I really commend you on that for starters. Was this something that you came up with or is this kind of a set journal that you found? And I don't want to say it's a set journal I found. It's actually, Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, a woman named Dan. Oh, sorry, that was loud. Um, Danielle Laporte um, is her name, and um, the journal was expensive. Uh, so if you go looking for it, um, it was like forty bucks, and I'm like, I am not going to spend forty bucks on a journal. And I was like, you know what? It's a daily planner, and you get to. Um, there's a little point place where you put in why you're grateful. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Um, there's like a little spot every every day. The prompts change, but one is like, don't worry about the solution yet. Um, prioritize pleasure, three things that are moving your life forward. I mean, the other thing that I've really done is try to um, really cut down my to-do list because mm-hmm. I am a doer and that really um, was getting in the way of me trying to live in the moment because I was doing something and I wasn't appreciating it and I was thinking about the next thing that I was going to do. So um, so trying to just have three to four things on my list every day has made a big difference in my mentality. And sometimes that's like making dinner at night. Like it's not, you know, do this AMR thing or, mm-hmm. you know, or sign my kid up for soccer. Maybe it's just one thing like foam roll. I mean, I put foam roll on my list a ton mm. because that is the, that it's going to be a huge key to keeping me to get to getting me to that ultra. Um, so it's sometimes, you know, at least one thing that's like self-care and then the other are, are generally work related. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a you know it was an investment but um but I am very glad that I made it and I'm impressed that you have it with you. Well, I yeah I mean it's my it's like and it's also I mean it's a daily planner too oh, okay. so I mean okay. it's, it goes by every day you know hmm. so like I'm looking at um, Wednesday March second right now so um so yeah so it is I I you put you put everything in there which oh. is good for me because I I like to write things down anyway right. Right. and then um and then just to have it all have both your daily obligations and the other part of your life, which, you know, it all integrates, right? And, mm-hmm. and sometimes I think we try to keep it in different silos, like, oh, my family's over here, and my feelings and my gratitude and my needs are over here, and my work is over here, and my running is over here. And in fact, it's one big bowl of mush, and it's mm-hmm. got to it's gotta kind of all mix together. And so the more that you can kind of accept that it's going to mix together and try to still get some pieces out, out that you can um, take pleasure in, I think is it's been helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Well, thank you for sharing, and I mean that sincerely. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so from that um, uh, rather serious note, we're we're going to move on to one that I think is going to make a lot of people laugh because it certainly did the first time around. Um, <laughs> this episode had the standout quote from our most recent 100 episodes, and when we asked the tribe to make suggestions for what clips they wanted included in this 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 one definitely was at the top of the list it's from episode 158 it is the boston marathon 2015 recap from our um i don't want to say cadet but our first time marathoner bethany meyer who is a mom outside of philadelphia hey bethany um and she ran um got a spot in the boston marathon and ran it um and so anyway yeah so here it is but even as we walked to the start line, I'm like, oh my gosh, I took two Imodium, but I still think I have the nervous poops. Uh, so I quickly went into the bathroom one more time and uh, sorry again, Alex, 
Like I gave birth to my tampon. I'm like, oh my God, it's not poop. I'm hemorrhaging. I can't have this ruin my race. So that messed me up with my tampon. I think that's one of the, uh, perhaps the best line ever on this podcast. I I apologize. TMI Tuesday. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so this is how it's going to be God. Like I I felt like, you know, (laughs) really, this is how it's going to be. It's raining. It's day two. I just given birth to my tampon my tampon in the porta potty <laughs> as I'm walking to the Boston Marathon. Please. So I felt like in Caddyshack, you know, when the bishop yells up like, that farts at the sky when the, yes. the thunder and the lightning, and the comes lightning down. is coming down. That was me. I stepped out of the porta potty and I'm like, that farts. So, um, and I had taken in a leave. Like, I mean, I just, I, I, so, so I was just crossing my fingers. Wait, that, wait, wait. I have to ask, did you have a backup tampon? Like, no, that was my backup tampon. Oh, yeah. shoot. So I'm like, great. Now I'm going to have to ask a random girl at Wellesley, like, I'll give you a kiss if you give me a tampon. You know, <laughs> like, we just prayed. Um, so uh, so I didn't have a backup. That was my backup. So so it was part of the reason why when I got to the start, I, p- I put my music in because I was a little stressed. Like, mm. all right, yeah, it's raining. That kind of stinks, whatever. Um, I wish it could have held off. But but. I was a little bit worried about my my uh, my womanly issues. Um, but the good yeah. news is that you had black bottoms on and it was raining, right? So right. it's not so that's the best case scenario if you're not right. gonna if you're gonna not have a, yes. you know a protection. Yeah. All back exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> so this is how it's gonna be, God? Huh? <laughs> I know that she just kind of mumbles that under breath. <laughs> oh, geez. I mean, oh, geez. Well, I got to say, so going back to the Rocky Raccoon, that was Katie. I sent her off on her little journey. Uh, I sent her, you know, the starting line. She started her race and I went into town. I would say I raced into town, but I had about five hours to do it. Um, but um, to get her tampons. Oh, I was just like, that is just the worst. I mean, it's not like you're not doing the Boston Marathon or an ultra or something that's physically hard and the culmination of a ton of work, but you have to have the, as Katie says, the loose stools that go with it <laughs> and the um, and the bleeding and the changing of the tampons and the, oh, oh gosh, just miserable, just miserable. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And I have to say one allusion she made there. She said um, about the Wellesley girls and borrowing a tampon from them. And she said that she'd, I'll give you a kiss if you give me a tampon. And so that's the Wellesley students. Um, they're not girls. They're women. Um and um, and perhaps maybe gender non-conforming people as well. Um, and so they are way all, to be PC. So yeah, way to get that in. Yeah, <laughs> I got to tell you, it's a big topic around here. There's um, my daughter's middle school has a lot of gender non-conforming students. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, yeah. So it's very for forefront on the mind so um so anyway so they just line the course and it's um as i recall it's sort of toward um mile it's right near the halfway point and or a little before the halfway point maybe mile 12 and um they just are lining it and then they all are holding signs that say you know i'm a math major kiss me you know <laughs> you know kiss me i just got back from zimbabwe or you know all these crazy signs and um no don't do that you might get the zika, yeah, zika i know virus, right, right? I know. Um, so, um, anyway, so last time I swore I was going to do it and I didn't. And so this time I'm vowing once again, I will. 
You got to do it. I mean, I was oh, just going to ask you, have you ever? Yeah. You got to. Yeah, no. So, um, just on the cheek, just a hello. Thanks for being out here. <laughs> a little, oh, merci. Oh, kiss on both cheeks. Yeah. Or you could do a little, you know, XXX, you know? Like, that's a good one. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, remember that story in Runner's World? Um, I can't. Now I, this is going to be one of those stories that you're like, okay, Dimity, get to the point. But I think it was a, a, a female runner kissed a guy somewhere along the course and then they had a very nice kiss it was not a cheek kiss and um and then she tried to find him after oh do you remember that at all i do Maybe not I, remember i that. put that up on face i think i was the one that put that up on facebook but i think the story turned out that he in fact was happily married but oh. was flattered um but oh. i love that she kind of put herself out there trying to yeah make a love connection that's so funny because then uh the course also runs um there's a lot of bu students lining the route and bc um boston college students and so but there was one really cute bu guy that i remember from when i ran in 2012 and i was like oh now i'd like to kiss him and then i'm like oh but he's not holding a sign like am i just allowed to kiss any spectator (laughs) i think that's i think that's just a general rule if you are running along the boston course and you see a cute boy you get to kiss him oh I i think you should take that rule and run with it anybody else who's listening to this and is running boston that's kind of fun, right? Oh my! I, I mean, I I could draw you a picture of this guy. He was really, really cute. I remember exactly where he was, and so okay, all right. Well, let's hope that that dark-haired stranger is still out there in the same spot. He may have never left. He may just still be waiting for you two years later. <laughs> right, right. Oh, all right, all right. So, um, so we're gonna go from um gratitude to tampons to mental skills. Um, This is a long clip, but it is fascinating about the difference of pain versus suffering and about when to lean into the suffering, when to welcome the pain and how to not feel fear in the face of it. Well, I saw you um, talk about the science of suffering at a Training Peaks coaching summit recently. And uh, so first of all, the science of suffering has got kind of a nice um, alliteration to it. And then it's also got a lot of intrigue to it, right? Like, ooh, yes. there's some science behind it. And your first kind of thing that you brought up was the, the difference of pain um, versus suffering. Can you talk a little bit about the difference, um, first yeah. of all? Yeah, so pain, um, you know, they – they feel the same <laughs> to the person that's experiencing experiencing it. But pain is really, um, you know, anytime you're feeling pain, it's your body's way of trying to signal you to something that's going on. Um, and so your brain is, you know, really trying to protect your body. And it's and so we're wired to do that. We're wired to um, feel that pain so that we avoid that pain in order for our survival. So at some point you're going to be pushing your body in a way that is uncomfortable and sometimes very uncomfortable. And that's what I would sort of consider suffering. And um, what's interesting is sometimes what I find with my athletes that maybe didn't um, have an athletic background growing up, sometimes they have a hard time delineating the difference between what's pain that's pain I need to pay attention to and and make sure I stop so I don't hurt myself and what's pain that is suffering that that it do, is not going to harm me and I can actually work through it. I also find that sometimes I think people confuse and this is just my my couch psychology talking here um that sometimes people confuse pain with with boredom. And that particularly I was thinking about a a long run recently and, and that toward the end of it, it's like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. And it's like, no, that's not quite it. It's just that I'm bored and that, that I want to be over. 
Yes, you're absolutely right. Like once you, especially there's longer runs where um, I, I think you're absolutely right. The pain and boredom sort of get um, enmeshed and they don't mm-hmm. really recognize that the, um, and it's good to be able to have that kind of awareness because there's tools that you can go to to help get you through the boredom, which might be different. Some of them might actually overlap, but they might be different than the tools that would get you through actual pain. So the pain you're feeling there is sort of the boredom is psychological pain that then yeah. can manifest as physical pain. Right, right. And then wh- when when should you kind of lean into the suffering or the pain when if you're, say, striving for a really big goal? Yeah, I you know, there's a certain point where um, when you're really at your threshold, you're really pushing yourself to your body's limit or, or getting close to it. There's a certain point where you, um, it is more effective to tune into the physical feelings that you're feeling versus trying to use tools that avoid feeling that. Um, Mm -hmm. It just, at at that point of suffering, you, there is no avoiding it. There's, it's, you're kind of at your peak and that it's not possible to avoid what you're feeling. So sometimes the tools of trying to um, avoid it, it, you might avoid it for like a second and then you're right back in it. So it's not and then you're feeling it sometimes even more intensely when you do it that way. So say you're, um, you know, you're running and your legs are burning and you're really feeling it and your body's screaming at you to stop and you try to do some kind of tool that helps you avoid that feeling and then you feel it again. Sometimes that when you come back to it, the that because of that psychological piece, you feel it even more intensely. So it's not necessarily an effective tool. So in those circumstances, you really want to, you know, sometimes you want to just dive into the actual quality. And this takes practice. Like I, you know, I would have people practicing during some of their training runs to see what feels like, because it feels, um, it's, it doesn't come naturally to to everybody and it doesn't feel comfortable to everybody either to actually like really dive into the pain and look at what is the quality of the pain and where is the burning and what does it feel like and what's happening in my body and then focusing on sort of the breathing and the technique and things that have to do with the body and the pain that you're feeling in that moment. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was um, trying to run my fastest marathon ever, which ended up being my fastest, my PR. Um, I would, I asked a lot of people who I knew had achieved their goal of, of, of their fastest marathon. And uh, so many of them talked about kind of moving toward that suffering and, and putting their arms around it and really embracing it rather than skirting it and, and trying to push it off. And, and before it happened, before I tried that, I was like, what are what are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hugging my pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is not a warm fuzzy. But that is one thing that you talked about, um, Carrie, in the in the summit was thinking about pain in a positive way because your perception of it affects your tolerance, right? So if you can yes. say, "I hurt because I'm going to freaking nail this goal, or I'm going to get this workout, or I'm going to get this time, or I'm going to get stronger, or whatever it happens to be." Instead of just being like, it hurt, it's hurt, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. To really kind of, because that, um, you know, whatever that perception is, there's an immediate um, emotional reaction that goes with it. And that emotional reaction is not, you You know, you, you have, we have more um, choice over that emotional reaction than we realize, but it takes practice. And whatever that reaction is, it can either be beneficial to our performance or detrimental. So that, you know, when you're re- your automatic perception and um, of 
when that pain comes is, is to be afraid of it. There's a, you know, a, the emotional reaction that you have that comes with fear has a physiological component that goes with it as well. That's not necessarily beneficial for your performance. Whereas if you're perception is to really embrace it and, and know, oh, here it is. I'm, I'm ready for this. I can do this. I'm going into the pain cave and every step I take makes me stronger. Your emotional reaction to that is much, much different than that fear of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to get over that fear though, isn't it? I mean, it, it is. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it, it's different for different people. And that, that's actually been something that's been very fascinating for me in the work that I do with my athletes is not everybody has that. Um, but and the people that do, for some people, it's a, it's a very, it's a very real fear. And I think people that don't have that fear can't re- understand that and can't wrap their heads around it. So I see a real continuum of, of that, um, kind of fear of that suffering and tapping into that. Sure. I realized we should have said that that was Carrie Cheadle, who is a mental skills coach, who was our guest on that episode 176. Um, so yeah. I just, I just really thought those are really good reminders, particularly as we go into race season to just kind of think about some of those things and, and, you know, kind of the pain isn't always the enemy. Sometimes it's something that you are going after so that you can reach your goal. Yeah, no, I really like that perspective. I'm glad to be reminded of that, especially <laughs> maybe next time I do hill repeats, I won't be quite so much like, ouch, ouch, this sucks, this sucks. I, I did not have the best attitude this morning. So so a good reminder, a good oh, reminder for oh, sure. Good, good. So when we ask Bammers for their favorite episodes, they often mention, Dim, your Ironman recap and my most recent Boston qualifying marathon, like in the same breath. And so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's awesome. I love that we have two kind of epic um, episodes. And then I go back and your Ironman one was episode number 64. <laughs> I was going to say that was in uh, 2013. So yeah, that that, um, that did not make uh, into the, that was in the first 100. Yes. I realized, I, you know, I think I've written about it and I, I know my own rhythm now. I like a big event every three years, right? Oh. And so it's been three years, and now it's time for me to take on another big event. So there you go. You know, hold with bated breath what I decide to launch in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, I wish, though, that your kids were three years apart, because then that would really hold, you know, that would add a lot of weight to your they're, theory they're there. They're pretty close. They're pretty close, right? They're April of 2006 and June of 2003. Oh, all right. Yeah. So they're just, you know, two months, three months. Oh, off okay. Of that, all right. right. Oh, that's right. I was yeah. thinking of your kids as being two years apart. Okay. All right. Well, no, that's they're three years apart. Oh, yeah. well, that's, that's, that's great validation of your theory. I'm going to, and then, it can be published. We, the, we ran the, um, 2007 Nike women's seven. So that was 2006, 2000. Those are two big things back to back. Yeah. Um, and then 2010 brings up run like a mother <laughs> and then 2013 brings up Iron Man. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then 26, I, I'm pretty much on track. I mean, with the one glitch of, my son, which, you know, we can easily get rid of him. <laughs> See, <laughs> just but kidding, Ben, just kidding. See, but it's also good because that goes back to your point of, you know, saying don't keep, you know, running separate from work, separate from mom. So that when you sh- held up examples of every three-year big um, accomplishments, you kind of wove yeah. in from different facets of your life. Well done. Yeah. Well there done, Timothy. Oh, that, oh, I tried. You lead that exam in life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is from episode number 133, Victory in Victoria. So I knew it was going to be close. And so I knew that I really had to, you know, turn it on. And so I just, 
I mean, I don't know, four, four, mile 14 and 15 for me were like the, okay, you know, I can either accept that I'm not going to make it by enough or I'm going to have to push and really go big. And from then on out, I mean, I, I, you know, I just kept telling myself, you know, go big, see how big you can go, see how big you can go. Um, and I had heard a story on NPR that I tweeted about, and it was about um, positive self-talk, especially among women, and that if you use the third person, it can it can oftentimes be far more effective. So I pretty much referred to myself in my own head as Sarah the entire race. <laughs> and, uh, Sarah's going to go big. How I'd, big can she go? Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, Sarah is awesome. Sarah is strong. Sarah is strong. And I thought a lot about Laura from our Ragnar team, who just adore her. She was in my van and um, she's all about um, the hashtags. And oh, yeah. um, and so that was her video to get into the Ragnar team. And so, but she had dubbed me during Ragnar. She said that instead of um, Bowen, the B in my name should stand for badass. And so she called me Sarah Badass Shay. And I can't tell you how many times I repeated Sarah Badass Shay, Sarah Badass Shay, Sarah Badass Shay during the race, particularly the second half of that race. Wow. And so I thought that, um, and there was, it was, I don't know if this, Molly, tell me if this is true in the first half, but a lot of the people, um, had signs that say, you got this. And I don't know why, like, Hmm. I don't, it's, I don't know, maybe that's like a Canadian thing to say to people, but, um, so there were a lot of signs that said, you got this. And I, every time I would see those, I'd point and I'd go, I sure do. Or yeah. Oh yeah. I got Sarah this. Sarah sure does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, um, so, I thought you were going to say that you, you, I thought you were going to get all the grammar girl on me and go, you, it should be, you've got this. No, 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 no. So you got this. And, um, so, and then the other mantra that I really pulled out was, um, so the day before on Saturday, Jack and I had gone strolling around and went into this jewelry store and there was this um, uh, designer, uh, jewelry designer spelled P-Y-R-R-H-A. And I assume it's pronounced Pura, maybe? I don't know. And um, it, it's this really intriguing jewelry. It's a, a Vancouver um, Canadian designer and uh, they're made, they're um, pendants made out of um, using 19th century wax seals. And then they have all like for what they stand for. And the reason I really noticed it was because they have a whole Game of Thrones line and Molly loves Game of Thrones. So I want to remember it for her. And so, but they have all these cards for, you know, what this little bird with a little shrub above it or a sword and, or I guess it's a dagger. And the dagger one it said courage without fear. And I really, really liked that phrase. And so I wrote it in my phone and I just thought so much. I would just lift my head and look forward and think courage without fear, courage without fear. Wow. So I think you've got your new introduction. I think you should say, hi, this is Sarah Badass Shay. <laughs> I think that that's awesome. I, I forgot that. I had forgotten bit. that too. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, this is also good. Just leaning in, leaning in courage without fear and mm-hmm. just going for it. Because even, you know, even if you would have missed it by a minute, mm-hmm. just knowing that you had given it your all, mm-hmm. I think you know, would have instead, instead of you saying, oh, I'm not going to make it, I'm going to stop. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, or I'm the- going to stop, not stop, but you know, like take my foot off the gas. Oh yeah. It's, it's interesting. And I'd forgotten so much of this. I mean, um, just listening back to it, I was like, oh, right. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I did that. And, but so 
that I listened to that and and so it's like, oh, is that the race I'm most proud of? And I always come back to no, I'm the race I'm most proud of is Big Sur, which was exactly that, that at mile 14 or 15, which I guess is kind of like my my magic moment in a marathon, where I decide either I can take my foot off the gas or really lean into it. And that I, you know, we've talked about that before, that you called me up later and were like, really? You were really proud of it? Like, you weren't just putting it on for social media? And, you know, that I was like, no, 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 that I stayed true to my focus and my intent for the entire race. So... To me, you know, I know, I know I'm billed as the, the numbers gal, but to me, staying true to my intent in a race, I think is ultimately my most important accomplishment for me. That and going under four hours. <laughs> no more. <laughs> no more. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, we have had countless inspiring badass mother runners on this podcast, and we will continue to do so. But perhaps the queen of all bammers is dear Dina Castor, the bronze medalist in the marathon at the 20, 2004 Olympics in Athens. And now she's ripping up race courses as a master's runner. Here she talks about the 24 race in which she set the world, as in capital W, Masters half marathon record for women in a time of, yeah, one hour, nine minutes and 39 seconds for 13.1. Yeah, like she said, like we said, she is a bad ass. Yeah, and I think as as athletes and runners, we can never expect things to go perfectly. So here I come from the mountain town of Mammoth Lakes, California at 8,000 feet. The air is so air, it's so dry and arid here. To go to Philadelphia where it's 70 degrees and 90% humidity was quite a shock. Um, when you see like sweat flying off your fingertips in the middle of the race, <laughs> I was totally grossed out. But, but, um, but the race didn't go perfectly. I, I had a couple sporadic little too fast miles I got caught up competing with the other with the other women in the race so that kind of um, set me back once the later stages of the race came I could feel I could feel the effects of those of those aggressive miles from the beginning I had a side stitch at six miles and was able to like breathe it out but it came back three miles later and so it was just it was just again that's the trying to get over over that mentally trying to focus on the fact that well my left side feels really good. You try to be putting an optimistic, optimistic approach to it. And, um, and it really wasn't until I was looking for that 13 mile mark, like, where is it? Where is it? And cause I was falling off of pace to, to get the world record. And that was my goal going into the race. And the, uh, there was a big sign with the official rock and roll race series logo on the left. And it was just these huge letters, WTF. And I thought, good Lord, can they do that? On an official, official logo? There's kids running around here. And as I got closer and I just thought, well, gosh, I wonder who makes these signs. Is it the people in the office or do they get advice from outside? And so my mind was totally off of the fact that I was, I was cramping on my, on my right side. And as I got, as I approached that 13 mile mark in a smaller font on that, on that sign, it said, where's the finish? And I just let out a laugh. And, and it was really that, that laughter and the, and, um, having that, just kind of a humorous moment 
that gave me that energy. It almost, the humor of the, that situation almost unlocked a well of energy for me. So it was really an enlightening race. I thought I could run a little bit faster, but I, as with any race or training phase, you learn a lot about yourself. And I think that's why I, I'm reluctant to ever step away from this sport because I learn on a daily basis so much about, about physiology or psychology or my surroundings that I wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to give that up for anything in the world. So when the going gets tough in New York city tomorrow, I'm really hoping, um, I'm really hoping that something on the sidelines will amuse me to get out a little chuckle so I can unlock that, that energy source again. I just love hearing Dina's voice and it just, just makes me smile and to hear how she struggles in a race, just like everybody else does, how she... I was about to say, yes. Yeah. No, and that, you know, and that she talking about getting caught up with not running her own race, but, you know, getting caught up with the pace of other people in the race and, you know, that, and then of course the unlock that well of energy. I just think that's such an awesome line. I like that she was looking like, where's the 13 mile mark? Like that's like every other person in the race. The 20,000 people that followed her were also looking for that 13 mile mark. Yeah. Yeah. That makes you feel better. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally relatable. She might, she might finish in, you know, half the time that we do, but she has the same thoughts going through her mind. Doesn't matter. We all have to pass that 13 mile mark. Yeah. Yeah. So, so dim. So we, I had, put together 12 clips for this we've only gotten through six of them so oh, so geez. so making a decision here we on the are, fly this is, this is a heart rate podcast we're taking it low and slow <laughs> yes, yes and so um so rather than making it a three hour and 15 mile workout like a <laughs> three hour, like that yours will be yeah this saturday as i trudge along yeah right so let's divide this up into two episodes so, um, so we have the other six on tap and we will, um, air that either, um, one week from when this is or the week after that, um, which we did with our hundredth episode. And I don't know why I didn't learn from that one that we had. <laughs> <laughs> deja vu, deja vu. Well, it was a hundred episodes ago, right? That was almost two years ago. You can't, you, you don't even remember qualifying for Boston. How can you remember two years ago? <laughs> right, right. Yes. So we're going to press the pause button on this best of show now and head over to the Train Like a Mother Club, except Skype totally dropped us and got all wonky on us. So it's just going to be dimity for the Train Like a Mother Club, and then I'll be back to end the show. Okay, time for a little Train Like a Mother Club corner here. We are coming with a comment from Shelly, who is in the half marathon group, um, reminding us that sometimes our little ankle biters rule our lives in the best ways possible. Shelly says, I so wanted to run outside today when it was over 50 and sunny in February in Massachusetts. But by the time I left work and got to daycare, it was super windy, dark, dreary in the low 40s and starting to rain. Boo. But I I wanted to bail. But thankfully, I'm not in the business of disappointing my two-year-old. And nor do I have the fortitude to suffer the consequences of doing so. She wanted to run, so run we did, alongside the cove and the canal in the rain, and it was great. My favorite part was when I tied my jacket around my waist and she yelled, Oh, Mommy, you put on your dancing skirt to run. We all need a dancing skirt and a two-year-old to get us out the door, right? Love that, Shelly. And our song today, of course, is Happy Birthday to Miss Sarah Bowen Shea. May your year be filled with many happy miles, many pieces of cake, 
and many laughs. So Skype was really messing with us. So it's now just me. There's no interchange between me and Tim about the train like a mother club. I'm sorry. So uh, since the spotlight of this being our 200th episode, we would love if you would write a quick review for the AMR podcast on iTunes. Reviews help other potential listeners find our program. And we always love welcoming new listeners as well as continuing to entertain and inform you, our current devotees of the show. Also, please download the ACAST app on your smartphone or tablet. The app is free and it allows you to follow and listen to the Another Mother Runner podcast on the network that brings you the show. The app also has this nifty feature that lets you share moments from shows on social media, thus further helping spread the word. See where I'm going with that? So thanks for listening. We will have another best of show in a week or two and continued happy miles to you. Happy miles to you.